Good morning. I'm delighted to be here. I tell you, every time I put this on the calendar to come to Bobby Branch, I always anticipate it. You make someone feel so very welcome and so much a part of the family, and I thank you for that. I wish my wife could be here to enjoy the festivities and worship this week, and uh, perhaps someday uh, we'll be able to come here together and you can see the better part of me. But uh, I want to uh, save again, because of time consideration, some more to say a little bit later on. But if I had 30 minutes to change your life, 30 minutes to change your life for the better in this life, and if I had 30 minutes available to me to change your life and give you eternal life, Based on the teaching of this great inspired volume, what text would I choose to accomplish that in such a short period of time? And I would choose the text that was already read in your hearing this morning. You see, Jesus gave us a list of the top two commandments. If you ask me to list the top ten commandments of of the Word of God... I couldn't get past the first and second one because the Bible doesn't rank them except for number one and number two. But I can tell you this, if I can get a man to obey these two commandments, he'll want to obey the rest of them. And that's the beauty of this text of Scripture. In Matthew chapter 22, this man comes to Jesus and he wants to know what's the greatest commandment. I find it fascinating. Jesus doesn't say to him, whatever made you think that the commandments could ever be ranked one above another. All of them are equally ranked. Well, they're all important, but Jesus himself is the one who said the first and great commandment is, and who am I to question the wisdom of our Lord? If he said this is the number one commandment, who am I to quibble with that? He said, here's your first and great commandment. It's in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven: 37. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. Now, he said you didn't ask for the second, but I'll go ahead and give it to you. He said, the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And then on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Why? Why are these the top two? I want to start with the second one and then backtrack to the first one. Go to Romans 13 with me, if you will, for just a moment. And, and notice what happens to a man when he loves his neighbor as he ought to love him. When he loves his neighbor as he loves himself, what happens to that man? How does he treat his neighbor because of that commandment being obeyed to love him as he loves himself? In Romans 13, verse 8, Oh, no man anything but to love one another. He that loveth another hath fulfilled the law for this. Watch it. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. There are five commandments right there. And he said, if there be any other commandment, it's briefly comprehended in this saying. What is the saying that all these other commandments are encompassed by? Watch it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. And therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. You show me a man that loves his neighbor as he ought to love him. And I'll show you a man that would never steal from that neighbor's tool shed when he's not looking. 
Show me a man that loves his neighbor as he ought to love him. I'll show you a man that won't lie about his neighbor, won't covet his neighbor's possessions or his wife. He will not mistreat his neighbor. He'll obey all the commands related to his neighbor if he first obeys the command to love him as he ought to love him. Now that brings us to the first commandment. Why is it that the first commandment is the number one commandment? Because if you will obey this commandment, there's not a commandment in the Bible I can show you that you wouldn't be willing to obey. And let me show you how this works in a more practical way. What would revolutionize this church? It's already a good church from everything that I'm able to see in the times that I'm privileged to be here. But what would make it an even better church? I'm trying to be a good Christian. What would make me an even better Christian? If I could increase the intensity of my love for God, if this church increases the intensity of its love for God, then it's going to have a ripple effect on other things. It's definitely going to impact you in other ways. Let me illustrate. What kind of effect does it have on you when you love someone as it relates to wanting to be with that someone? How much does loving someone connect with wanting to be in their presence? If I love someone, I'm so anxious to be with them. I will be honest with you, I'm missing my wife right now. I just finished a restoration tour with the students. It was a great trip, and I enjoyed it very, very much. But when I drove back home yesterday, my wife was coming back home from a ladies' day in Texas where she'd spoken, and so we missed each other. And uh, hopefully by the uh, end of this week, I'll be able to uh, be with her again. I'm looking forward to it. I remember when she was not yet my wife, and she lived in Marietta, Georgia, and I lived in Etowah, Tennessee about two and a half hours away. Now, I am a night owl, not a morning person. I'll stay up all hours of the night, but getting up bright and early at 4.30 or 5 is not normal for me. But on this occasion in my life when I was dating her, on Saturdays I would get up at the crack of dawn to drive two and a half hours down south to be with her, to spend the day with her. Who came to my door and banged on my door and put me on a guilt trip and made me get out of bed and go down there that early? Who did that to me? Who, who put me on a guilt trip and said, you are obligated to get out of that bed and go see that girl. You better do it because it's a command. It's a requirement. I didn't go because I felt like I had to. I wanted to. No one had to rouse me out of bed. I got up out of my own free will, and I couldn't wait to get on the road to see her. Now, what do you think about this? Suppose I've spent the day with her, and at the end of the day I say, ah, this has been all great and everything like that, but when do I have to do this again? I'm sorry, what? When am I obligated to come back and see you again? You, if you'll tell me when it is, I'll be here, but I don't want to come a day sooner than I have to. Um, are you serious right now? <laughs> yes. Uh, I tell you what, don't bother. You don't have to come back. Who in their right mind would want to spend time with someone who looks at it as a duty? Oh, I'm obligated to be in your presence, so you just tell me when it is. I'll be here. No. She didn't have to tell me that because I wanted to be there. Now, let's relate this to the worship service. Why did you get up this morning and come here? 
What made you get out of bed instead of sleep in? What made you get up and come here this morning? Is it, I know I'll get messed with or a fest, you know, someone, what's the word I'm looking for? Fussed at is the word I'm looking for. I'll get fussed at if I don't come and I don't want to hear it. Is that why you came? Well, mom and dad, they wouldn't let me stay home. I came because I pretty much have to. They, I'm obligated to. Is that why you came? What is the reason that you are here this morning? Let me show you the number one reason that you should be here this morning. You love God. That's why you're here. Now, what would make you love him that much that you would not only be here this morning, but you would say, when's the next? You, you would not say, when's the t- next appointed time I'm obligated to be here? Do I have to come back for the 6 o'clock service tonight? Do I have to? Do I have to stay for the Bible class hour? Do I have to come Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night? Am I obligated to be here for those services, friends? If you're thinking in that way and in that direction, you haven't yet understood the love of God and the love for God that you need to have. Now, what should make you love God so much that you just want to be with Him every time you get a chance and you're healthy enough to be there. I'll tell you what it is. I remember that little poster that I saw when I was growing up hanging on the Sunday school hallway, and it showed a picture much like we had up there earlier of someone hanging on a cross, of course representing Jesus, and it said something like this, I asked God, how much do you love me? And he stretched out his arms and said this much. If you will reflect this morning on the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood that flowed from his head, his hands and his feet. If you will really see him hanging there and realize that before he ever got there. What were they doing doing before they ever drove a nail into his feet and his hands what were they doing before they ever put a crown of thorns upon his head they were mocking him they were beating him they were scourging him and all of the torture that took place prior to his being nailed to the cross is a remarkable thing and why is he going through all of this why is his back being ripped to shreds by that scourge and why is he in the garden Sweating out a sweat that is intermingled with blood at Luke chapter 22 and following. Why is he doing all of those things? And why are they going to strip his garment from him and then take his hand and stretch it out and take that cylindrical nail and poise it there and then drive it through his flesh and bone to fasten him to a cross and nail his feet to the cross so that now as he is there on the cross, He is in a no-win situation when it comes to finding a comfortable spot. If he pushes up to get a breath, oh, what that does to his feet. If he slumps down to try to take the pressure off his feet, oh, what that does to his hands. And you know the people beneath his cross while he's going through all this pain are not saying encouraging things to him. It's okay, it's okay. No, son of God, (laughs) you're the son of God, are you? (laughs) Well, why don't you come down from the cross and show us? Mocking him. 
ridiculing him in the midst of his agony and pain. And I ask, why should I love him? How can I not love him when he loved me that much? And this didn't go on for 15 minutes. It didn't go on for the length of a 30-minute sermon. My friends, it went on for six hours. If you took all the services that we'll be privileged to attend this week and the approximate amount of time that we'll spend in this assembly together, it would be six hours, roughly. Imagine for every moment that you and I are sitting on these padded pews in a nice conditioned, air-conditioned or heated building as the case may be, imagine that during all of that time we're experiencing discomfort, he is hanging on a cross for every second of the time we spend in this comfortable place. And then ask yourself, why should I love him? How can I not? I want to be there. I want to learn more about him. And you know, I, I, I could change your life by getting you to spend some time in this book. Speaking of 30 minutes, James Watkins, a very well-known preacher, uh, made a statement when I was a boy preacher that I heard him say that I've repeated often and thought about as it related to my own life. He said, uh, 30 minutes a day, I challenge you, spend 30 minutes a day in this book for 30 days and you will be a different person at the end of that 30 days. You think that's true? 30 minutes a day for 30 days. Start it there, you won't want to stop. You will see the benefits of it and it will change you for the better. What, what, what would make me want to spend time reading? You see, here's what I found. It's not that we don't know the verse, continue in reading the Word of God, that I exhort you to you know, give attendance to reading 1 Timothy 4.13. We know that's in there. We know the Bible commands us to study it, and we know we ought to read it. But why don't we more often than we do? And I'm not speaking with a broad brush here. Some are spending good amounts of time in the Scripture. But when we're not doing that, why is it? Friends, I'm telling you, your love for the author has everything to do with how much time you spend in this book. Tish used to write me letters when we were not yet married. And I would go to the mailbox and open up the mailbox and a little whiff of perfume comes out. Okay, that's too much information. I'll... I'll, uh, I'll get away from that and not tell you about the lipstick-sealed envelope and all that sort of stuff. I'd get that mail. And I want you to just picture this scenario. Someone comes to my mobile home where I was living at the time. They see all this stack of mail on the shelf. Well, what is all that up there? Oh, that is correspondence from the love of my life. They don't appear to be opened. No, I have not yet had time to read them, but I cherish them. And I tell you, as soon as life slows down, I'm going to read every one of those. Does that sound plausible to you? Mm -mm. I opened it at the mailbox. After I opened it at the mailbox, I read it and then walked to my mobile home and kept it. Well, you've already read it. Why are you keeping it? 
It's communication from someone I love. And friends, you know as well as I do that the more we love this book, the more we want to read it, and the more interesting it becomes. One of my favorite stories to tell is about this girl that was reading a novel, and it was rather boring. In fact, she only finished it because her mom and dad said, you know, you need to finish what you start. They taught her that all her life, so she says, okay, I started this book, I'm going to finish it. She finished it all right, and she put it in a box, and she decided, next garage sale, that thing's going along with some other things I don't want anymore. She forgot all about it, didn't even remember it being in the attic. And then life goes on, she meets a man, she's dating this man. They're really starting to love one another, and she's at dinner one night with him, and she says, so tell me something about yourself you've not yet told me. I want to know everything about you. He said, well... I don't guess I told you this because um, I didn't. It didn't do very well. But actually, when I first got out of college, I wrote a book, had it published. It didn't sell very many copies, and I never wrote another one. You wrote a book? Yes. I love reading. I love to read. What is your book still available? Yeah. What's the name of your book? What are the chances that the most boring book this woman has ever read was written by the man she now loves? So he tells her, and she tries to keep a straight face, doesn't want him to know that she thought it was the most boring thing she'd ever read. He drops her off that night. What do you think she did? What would you do, ladies? She's up in that attic. She's tearing open boxes. I've got to find that book. I've never been so excited to find the most boring book in the world. She finds it. She goes downstairs. She starts reading it. She can't put the thing down. It's a page turner. It's gripping. It's compelling. It's the same words she read last time and said, this is the most boring thing I've ever read. You tell me what transformed that book with the same words in it from dry and dusty to thrilling and compelling. What's the only thing that changed? Her love for the author. Show me a man, a woman that loves God with all their heart, soul, strength, and mind. I'm going to show you someone that says, Bible study? Yes, sir. Count me in. That means I get to know more about the God I love. Okay, what about, uh, what about praying to God? I was not a letter writer. I called Tish on the phone. I've got some phone bills from the 1980s that were astronomical for their time, but I didn't care. Why was I so willing to pick up the phone and call her at such a high price? Because to me it was worth it. And friends, I am able to talk to God in prayer. And what would make me want to talk to Him even more? Why do I want so much? You know these couples when they first meet, six hours sometimes on the phone uninterrupted, just talking. They say, oh, we spent all night. Oh, look what time it is. I didn't even realize. Why? I love this person. I love talking to them. Friends, when you love God, you won't have any trouble continuing in prayer, Colossians 4.2. You won't have any trouble with the pray without ceasing, 1 Thessalonians 5.17. All the prayer commands are suddenly going to be encompassed by the obedience to the one command. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I do love you, and you commanded me to pray, but I... I I want to talk to you. I want to pray to you through your son, Jesus Christ, who bled for me. What would make me want to give on the first day of the week as I've been commanded to give? 
Can you picture this? 35th wedding anniversary, I go in to my wife and I say, okay, I know how this works. It's her anniversary. I'm supposed to get you something. I did. There you go. Happy anniversary. You better watch out. That thing come rocketing right back towards you. If that's your mentality, do you, any grandparents in here? Oh, yes. And I just joined that club uh, November 21st, 2017, so I love being in that club. Brother Garland Elkins used to tell about this airplane that had open seating. Anyone could sit wherever they wanted if they were first on the plane. And this one fellow gets on the plane, and some others are already seated. seated. He said, um, excuse me, do you have grandchildren? Yes. He keeps going. I don't want to sit by them. Do you have grandchildren? Yes, sir. I don't want to sit by him. Excuse me, sir, do you have grandchildren? Nope. Perfect. I can sit here and tell you about my grandchildren, and I won't have to be interrupted with boring stories about your grandchildren. That's the way we feel. Is it hard for me to get you to tell me about your grandchildren? I've gone to people's homes and without even prompting them to do so, come over here, Brother Clark. I want to show you. This is my grandson. He, he, he's in cross country. He won this track award. Here's my granddaughter. She has played the clarinet in the band. Oh, she is so good. And what's going on here? Are you obeying a command? Did you attend a seminar that says if you ever become a grandparent, you're obligated to talk about it? You ever see a girl that gets engaged, first service after she gets engaged? Does she come in like this hoping no one sees? No, she, look, 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 look. It's right in your face. Do you see this? I'm in love. I want the world to know I'm getting married. I'm getting married. It's fantastic. No one has to train anyone to... It's natural because what? I love this person and I want to talk about them. Any sports fans in here? I reckon I could get a conversation started about your favorite college football team or basketball team or pro baseball team and no one would have to drag it out of you. You'd let me know with passion how you feel about this team or this person. Friends, don't we need that same kind of enthusiasm to talk about Jesus Christ? Wouldn't that change my life and help to change the lives of others if I took this love for God and I just let it naturally lead me to talk about Him? Friends, I want you to stop and think about this with me. It's easy if we're not careful to get in that rut. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Start all over again, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Sunday morning, and we can keep going. I want to tell you, I don't want to just be going through the motions at the worship service. I don't want to get in the rut or habit of going without also connecting it to love. Do you know you can do the right thing, but if you don't do it with love, then it becomes wrong still? So I'm asking you to love God with all of your heart, soul, strength, and mind as He commanded. Why should you? He bled and died for you, for me. He gave everything that He had so that you and I could come live with Him someday. What love. In fact, we just sang it. He loved me so. 
He loved me so. Why did my Savior come to earth? Because He loved me so. Why did He drink the bitter cup of sorrow, pain, and woe? Why on the cross be lifted up? Because He loved me so. And I love Him so back. I love Him so for what He did for me. And I can't wait to study His Word. I always look forward to remembering how He died for me with the unleavened bread and the fruit of the vine representing His body and His blood. And then the chance to give Him something that shows how much I appreciate what He's given for me. And the chance to talk about Him to other people, to to read from His sacred Word and to, to pray through Christ to the Father. All of that is just so amazing. What a wonderful opportunity It changes your life to do it in a loving way for all the right reasons. And it makes other people want what you have. We're about to sing an invitation song. And this is your chance to say to the Lord Jesus, I know what you did for me and I love you so for it. I want to put you on in baptism because that's what I see people doing that loved you in the first century. Once they heard about who you really were, the Son of God, they they confessed that as, as believers in your sonship. They confessed they believed you were the Son of God. They repented of their sins, Matthew 16, 16, Acts 2, 38. They were willing to confess, Romans 10, 9, and 10, and, and be buried with you in baptism for the remission of sins, Acts 2, 38, Romans 6, 4. And they were added to the church that you bought with your own blood. I want to be a part of that same group. And then I want to live for you so that someday I can live with you. Thank you for loving me and giving me a chance to come live with you. I know I became your follower some years ago, dear God. Christ gave his life for me and I put him on in baptism. But frankly, I've lost my first love. I've forgotten the adoration factor. I'm going through the motions. I'm in a rut. I'm in a rut I need to get back to the emotion, the genuine affection. I have it. I want to give it to you now as together we stand and sing, won't you please?